and good morning. I've been down at the River Campus for several weeks, and I've missed you. I know you did. That's always like a homecoming today. I've enjoyed every minute of it already. I was thinking just now, though, when uh, Aida was singing that song, uh, one thing I have noticed in the area of the River Campus is there is a large Spanish-speaking population from numerous places. And even all our advertising for our VBS, which starts tomorrow night, has been bilingual because we will have numerous children, that is our prayer, that don't speak English. Do you know that I can't think of a single human on the planet that doesn't need Jesus? And so I uh, pray this week as they, uh, as all these workers work so hard and, uh, and pray for them because this is going to be one of those moments that's slightly out of their comfort zone. So, uh, uh, right now, before we begin, I want to cover them in prayer as they do vacation Bible school. It's not just playtime with kids. It's God time with children. Father God, this morning we're going to open your word and your spirit will speak and it will speak in a language that we understand. The language of the spirit. This week, as, as we seek as a church to, to reach children with the blessed gospel, that you will already be speaking in a language they can understand. I am proud to serve a great God. And I am thankful that you're not through with showing your love to people of every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. What a mighty God we serve. So go before Holy Spirit and make this a, not just a fun week, but a life-changing week. For our brothers and sisters, wherever they are. Bless the River Campus as they reach out this week. In Jesus' blessed name I pray. Amen, amen. and amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, I would love for you to go ahead and find the book of Isaiah. We are going to uh, go to the white pages of the Bible. I know a lot of times we spend most of our time in the New Testament, but today... We're going we're gonna to step away from that for a little while. I want you to, uh, to become aware of something this morning. And several times during this message today, I'm going to need your participation to make sure that you understand who the Lord is and who the Lord is not. The title of the message today is, What the Devil is the Devil Up To? Part 1. I won't have time to finish this today. Now, this is a repeat after me thing. So, 
when, and you'll hear this several times, when I say, who is Lord, I want you to say, Jesus is Lord. Can you do that for me? Let's try it and see if it works. Who is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Right. Who is Lord? He is Lord, but you know what? There is another being in this universe that wants to be Lord. We have somebody, a real being, not a figment of our imagination, that wants to take what rightfully belongs to God for himself. And if in the process of trying to do that, he can hurt those that God loves, He will. I have an enemy. You have an enemy. Can I, can I go ahead and point this out this morning, though? I have an enemy, but it's not you. I have an enemy, but it's not Muslims. I have an enemy, but it's not Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, or people that don't agree with me. I have an enemy, and his name is Satan. Can I go on record in saying that I don't like him? But we live in a world that's coming apart at the seams where it seems very much, if you look at the news, like he's Lord, that he's in charge, that he is making everything fall apart. He is not Lord. Jesus Christ is. So you know what? I'm glad we're all on the same page because who is Lord? Jesus. Amen. He's a sneaky devil, isn't he? I bet there's some times in your life that he has completely misled you and you thought you were doing something good for yourself. Do you realize every person that ever had an addiction has an addiction because they became convinced that the addiction would make them happy? Satan can use opportunities like that when you become discontent. Satan can use opportunities to make you feel like God doesn't bless you. There's three basic uh, concepts concerning how the devil affects our lives. We have those that we blame. Well, we blame him for everything bad that happens to us. There's plenty of people out there that think that everything that bad that happens to you happens because the devil did it to you. There are people that see a demon behind every decision. There are those that see a demon behind every bad thing. If you're sick, it's a demon's fault. If you, if you have sin in your life, maybe you have a lust problem, it's not really you, it's a demon's fault. No, I'm telling you right now, they get enough credit for all the bad they do, but a lot of it's strictly on you. There are some people that don't want the responsibility of saying that they have done something wrong. They want to say it was all 
someone else. I remember growing up. My mama was a wonderful woman. But she had a way of communicating. I know everybody may have had a grandmama like this. First off, she would, if I wouldn't obey, first she was the first one in line with the best switch to correct me. But when I was really disobedient, she would say, boy, you better straighten up or the boogeyman will get you. Y'all know the boogeyman? I wasn't raised in church, but I figured right off the bat that the, that the threat of the boogeyman was the reason that Baptists don't dance. That's a different kind of boogie altogether, okay? So you have those that think everything that happens to you that's bad, it's the devil's fault. I've got some news for you. Sometimes God has to correct us, and it's the stuff that's happening in our lives is God's correction not the devil's evil. And it is wrong to attribute something that God's trying to do in your life to the devil. Can you think of anything worse? So you got folks like that. You've got some others that ignore him or claim he doesn't exist, which makes us easy targets. Now, I like statistics. Can I give you some statistics that really, really bother me? Is that okay? These stats are about people who claim to be born again. There was a survey done by the Barna Group where they asked this question, and I quote, This question said, is the devil or Satan a living being or just a symbol of evil? Is the devil a living being or just a symbol of evil? And the way they do these surveys, you may have taken some of these. They do them over the phone. Some of them are on the Internet. But they would give you these questions, and they would say, do you agree strongly or somewhat agree, you know what I'm talking about, or you disagree somewhat, or you strongly disagree with this statement, keep in mind that this is people that claim to have a vital living relationship with Almighty God. 32% agreed that Satan wasn't real that he was just a symbol of evil. We're talking about Christians, folks. 32%. 11% agreed somewhat, and 5% had no idea. So when you, when you put it all together, what you had is people that claim to love God and trust Him, 48% say the devil isn't real. Does that bother you? You know, the Bible teaches me this about God. Those that come to God must believe that He is, He really is God, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Well, I'm telling you right now, if you believe that about God, then you must believe that Satan is as well. And 
even those that try to diligently seek him, whether they're Wiccans or Satanists, any title you want to put on that, he doesn't make their lives any better. He just seeks to destroy. You have an enemy. Look at your neighbor and say, but it's not you. It's not you. I heard a story once that uh, said two little boys were, were arguing back and forth. One said, there really is a devil. The other said, no, there's not. And he said, well, it really is a devil. The Bible talks about it. And he said, well, no, it's not. And he said, there is. The Bible says so. And the other little boy said, no, it's, it's like Santa Claus. Because what you first get, it, it, see, you find out that the devil is just like Santa Claus. It's dad. Who is Lord? The devil's not dead, by the way, just in case you had some questions in your mind. It's not dead. Cotton Mather, way, way back at the founding of this country, made a statement that I completely agree with. He said this, that there is a devil is a theme doubted by none but such as are under the influence of the devil. I'll say that again. That there is a devil is a thing doubted by none, but such as are under the devil's influence. The devil is not some little cartoon character with a red suit and horns and a pitchfork. You can see that on your deviled hand, but that's not what the real devil's like. He's not in charge of hell like some cartoon images I have seen. God is in charge of hell. It was a place He made. Who is Lord? So you may ask your question, Why in the world would God allow a critter like that to run around loose? Well, how about this one? I said there's uh, three basic concepts concerning how the devil affects our lives. Here's your third one. We recognize his existence and his desire to get us to distrust Almighty God. We recognize His existence and desire to get us to distrust Almighty God. Here's you some more statistics right now. The ones I gave you earlier about people that say they love God and trust Christ. Here's one for just the general public. 57% of average citizens that make no necessary claims whether they know God or not, 57% believe there is a devil. There are literally more people that aren't in church that believe in the devil than are in church. That should bother everybody. And here's the way it broke down. It said that of those 57% who believe that the devil exists, 72% 
are African Americans, 65% are Republicans, and 61% of women. And most of the people that thought he was real live in the South. That tells me something. No, that doesn't mean that most Democrats are demonic, okay? That's not what it says, because they're not my enemy, remember? What it tells me is the devil has done an outstanding job of confusing things. The Bible says he's the author of confusion, isn't he? If he can distract you, he can not only distract you from his existence, he can distract you from giving your attention to Almighty God. Evil, if you had to define it, is not just bad decisions. It is anything in your life that makes you distrust or dishonor a holy God. So, just to make it real plain, based on the Word of God, the Bible plainly teaches that Satan is real. So if you want to try to make him something other than he is, go ahead. But the Bible will not back you up. Uh, one commentary I studied made a big point about the fact that the Bible says nothing about a personal living being called Satan. Hogwash! Boy, wouldn't you have a fine old time if you were the devil if nobody believed you were real. So let's answer a few questions about him. Where did he come from? The Bible doesn't go into any great detail about his origin, but it does indicate that he was an angel that God created. You're in Isaiah right now. Let's look at verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? I know where he came from. He came from heaven. How in the world could somebody that's trying to deceive and mislead and grab the lordship from God, how did he ever start there? That's a good question. A few things real quick. Let's talk about exposing the devil for a minute. Satan was created by God and was known as Lucifer. Lucifer means light bearer. He was good looking. Now, how many of you, when I say, just say the word devil, what comes into your mind? Is it the horns? Is it the, the forked tail and a pitchfork? 
I always wondered what he did with a pitchfork. I know what I did with a pitchfork. Can't be possibly what he's doing. And he was, and in your mind, he's, he's like red and he's ugly, right? Well, the Bible doesn't bear out the fact that he is ugly. It bears out the fact that he's beautiful. I once told somebody, I was talking to uh, some folks about Revelation Walk. I said, you really want to mess with people during Revelation Walk? Don't make the devil look like you think he looks. If he appeared to you today, he may look like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, 12-year-old sweet girl. He doesn't look dangerous. If he did, we'd get out of the way. But he was beautiful. A beautiful angel that God made. How did it get bad? What is it that made him get kicked out of heaven? Well, I want to talk about that for just a minute this morning. But he was known as Lucifer. Your next point, God did not make a devil. He created an angel for his service. He created an angel for his service. Now, I had somebody ask me this recently. And maybe you've had this, heard this before, too. Someone said, Rick, isn't it true that Satan was heaven's worship leader? That he led all the singing. You ever heard that before? I have. Now, over in the book of Ezekiel, you don't have to flip over there right now, is where they get that reference from, where he's talking about, he's talking about the devil, and it talks about his timbrels and pipes. Uh, but nobody can say for sure. I can say this for sure. I know that the devil, for a fact, has used music. He's used it to d distract you. I've told people this, and, and I love music. It, it's fine with me. I love worship, and it involves music. It involves prayer. It involves your tithe. It involves a lot of things. But there's a lot of churches that spend more time concentrating on what kind of music they have and instead of what kind of Lord they have. I told somebody once, I said, I've been, I've been working with music for, for 34 years, and it's the most dangerous thing in church because it appeals to your flesh. You either like it or you don't like it. If you can worship, great. It's got a place. In fact, you start doing a, a study just on music, you're going to find out that there's a lot in the Bible about it. It was the musicians that led you into battle. It was the musicians that, that played constantly in the temple of God. It was, that was going on that God had put in their heart to glorify God with all those wonderful instruments, all those wonderful voices. But if you try to make anything that's not the Lord, Lord of the church, you're misguided. You're misguided. Was he the worship leader in heaven? Can't say that for a fact, but I do know that he was involved in the worship of God. The Bible does bear that out. You have angels that were created with the sole purpose of bringing God glory. Even now, around the throne of God, you have angels. You may have heard them referred to as seraphim, cherubim, any number of things. And they are, they are around the throne of God, and, and they are singing and worshiping. 
And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's all the words to the song, by the way. So next time you hear one of those songs that people refer to, worship songs, they call the 7-Eleven songs. You know, seven words and you sing them 11 times. Well, that's what they're doing around the throne, so it's okay. And how about this? He was referred to as the anointed cherub which covereth. When you find this in, in Isaiah, it's referring to the king of Tyre. That's a picture of Satan, whom God had set apart and given some authority to honor him. So this is what God made. Did God make a devil? No. God made an angel. Did he make a devil to make your life miserable? No. He created an angel to worship him. Did he create this evil being to just make himself look better? No. He created an angel to worship him. If you were to say that God made the devil the devil, then you're saying that God is the author of evil, and my God is not the author of evil. Who is Lord? What a dishonor to God to blame the devil on him. Look back in your Bible, verse 13. In Isaiah 14. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I Ooh, will be like the Most High. Yet, verse 15, thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. You see, one of the issues I'm noticing there is your next bullet points. Lucifer seems to have a significant pride problem. Do you see how many times, verse 13 through 14, you see the word I? I will ascend. I will exalt me. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend to the high. I will be like the most high. That's a pride problem. If it's all about you, wherever you go, Whatever you do, then you're not putting God in His proper place. Even Jesus in the garden said, Not my will, but thine be done. And trust me, there's plenty of people in here this morning that have an eye problem. Am I right? In fact, some of the worst deceit that Satan ever does 
is to make you think that everything God has done is all about you so you can have more money, a healthier life, and cars and gold and silver and jewels and no problems. Have you ever heard a gospel that was preached that said if you trust God, all your problems go away? It was a lie from the devil. The Bible tells me that in this world we're going to have tribulation, but to be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. He is Lord. He is Lord. So we know he has a pride problem. Being put in a position of authority wasn't enough for him. Being put in a place of high authority to lead worship towards God, to point other angels towards God, would you want anything more than that? Well, he did. It wasn't enough. He may have said to himself, you know, I'm better looking than God is. And I don't like the way he runs things around heaven. Pride, greed, anything bad you can think up and name, you can attribute to him, and that's a good description of the devil. You know the Hebrew word, for Satan, the descriptive word is called Nahash. Nahash. You know what Nahash means? It's a word you see used for serpent. We'll talk about that some tonight. But what it really means is whisperer. Whisperer. That's what he does when he wants to make your relationship with God fall apart, he whispers. I don't trust people that whisper. If you're going to say it, go ahead and say it. So he had a significant pride problem, and he was cast down from heaven when he coveted God's position of authority. If there's one thing I can say for sure about him, and there may be people in here who can testify to how sneaky he is. He is probably smarter than us. You know why I say that? He convinced a third of the angels they should follow him. Angels created by God that were involved in the worship and service of God were convinced by this low life that they should follow him. Hey, I wonder what he promised them. I know what they end up getting, but reckon what he promised. Has he ever promised you something? Promised you stuff he can't deliver on? See, he treats himself as if he has the authority. But there's only one that has the real authority. Who is Lord? Now, he wanted to take, obviously, based on what we read in Isaiah, he wanted to take a lot of things from God. He wanted it for himself. But he was cast down from heaven. But despite his fall, your next point, he hasn't changed his goal. He wants 
your worship. And I will boldly say this right now. If you are not worshiping God Almighty, by default, you are worshiping Him. And you may be doing that thinking you are honoring God when actually you're just aligning yourself up with God's enemy. Let me give you a devilish job description. John 10, 10. Turn over there if you would. John 10, 10. Do you think that Jesus and Satan are on good terms? But they're not. In fact, Jesus' very job description said that he came to destroy the works of the devil. But if you want to see what a devilish job description looks like, it looks like this in John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come, red letter edition in your Bible, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, do you believe Jesus when he said this? I pray you do. So it said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me tell you what he came to steal. He came to steal the worship of God. He will do anything in his power. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you, brother. He will do anything in his power to distract you. He asked Jesus himself in the temptation in the wilderness, bow down and worship me. I'll make a deal with you. He is not somebody worth trusting. Every time on this planet that he's able to distract us to worship something other than God, he has hurt God. Every time he hurts you, he hurts the Lord. Because you and I were made in the Lord's image. He not only came to steal the worship of God, he came to kill the Son of God. Do you realize that at the cross, the devil was convinced he had won? Because once he was able to take Jesus and turn the people against him and nail him to a cross, and that cross was lifted up, and the Son of God was put on shameful public display, he thought, I did it. I have done the worst thing I possibly can to God the Father. I killed the Savior. What a goofball. If he didn't do that, maybe he would have realized 
that the Bible said, per Jesus, if I, I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So the moment they raised that cross, just like they raised that serpent on a pole in the wilderness, if you go back to Exodus, that if people would look there in faith, that when those fiery serpents bit, they would be healed. It's exactly the same thing today. No matter what the devil may tell you, if you look to Christ in faith, if you trust Him, no matter what sin is done in your life, there is real life. There is something worth giving God applause for because it was lifted up and your life has changed forever because of the great goodness, grace, and beauty of God Almighty paying your penalty on a cross. Somebody should worship Him today, right now. Oh my, so he came to steal the worship of God, kill the Son of God. He also came to destroy the church of God. I look at statistics again. Let me show you how churches have been destroyed. The number of churches, which numbers in the thousands this year, that are closing their doors... So their influence is eliminated. So they can't reach people for the Lord anymore. So that the world can look at that church that closed its doors and say, See, God must not have been with them. We've got to change this. We've got to change this. Because when... He seeks to destroy the church of God. What he's trying to do is abuse the bride of Christ. And my God will not be mocked. Who is Lord? Jesus. Sneaky snake. The Bible talks about the devil all over and it's never in glowing terms. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He's called the adversary, the beast, Beelzebub. I love that word. No one ever names their kid that, right? Nobody calls their kid Lucifer either, do they? Deceiver. In the book of Revelation, he's seen as a dragon. 2 Corinthians, the God of this world. serpent, whisperer, the prince of this world, the tempter in Ephesians, the prince of the power of the air. And he's trying his best to draw you to his team and make you think that it's not a big deal and God is okay with it. If he's as sneaky as we know him to be, Does he have any influence over the way we worship, over the way we do church? He can certainly distract us. He can certainly tempt us to do the wrong thing. He can certainly be our adversary even when we are in his house right now. You know what he can do? 
I don't know this for a fact, but if anybody's on their cell phone right now answering a tweet or on Facebook, he just distracted you from the worship of Almighty God. If you are in here right now and your main concern is worrying about what you're going to have for lunch, he's distracted you right now. If you are hoping that I'll hurry up and shut up, so you can get to life discovery because there's food, then he's got you distracted too. I told you he's a sneaky snake. Holy cow. This is why it's only part one of part two because I've barely been finished part one right now. Why is he here on earth? He wasn't sent to earth to torment you. He was sent so that our presence would torment him. You meant, I said a moment ago, we're made in God's image. So there could be no better punishment for one who wanted to get all the glory than to be sent where those who reflect the glory of God are so that every moment of every day he would be around people that would remind him of what he has lost. He wasn't sent here to make your life miserable. He was sent here as punishment. So when I hear people say, oh, the devil's on my back, I say, well, get him off. Remind him that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Every moment on this planet should remind Satan. Go ahead and flip screens for me, bro. Flip it again. Flip him again. Flip him again. All right, we got that one. Flip to the next one. There we go. Every moment on this planet should remind Satan about the love and justice of God because of our very presence here. Satan is defeated, and God is exalted, and Jesus is Lord. So that's why he's here. Did you know that? He wasn't here to make your life miserable. You're here to make his life miserable. And what's he doing here on earth? Well, I can tell you what he's doing. Satan seeks to destroy the influence of believers. You know what happens when he destroys the influence of believers? Their testimony goes away. And those that Jesus died for end up without His love and grace and go to hell. Do you know how He destroys the influence of, of believers? He makes you stop talking about Jesus and His sacrifice. I throw this stat out all the time. Baptists are the most evangelistic group of people on the planet of all churches. They do stuff, they, they do stuff in their community. In fact, there's wonderful outreaches that go on in a lot of churches. But here is what ends up happening. We make the program everything and we forget that you've got to actually speak 
the gospel of Almighty God. The last stats I saw of all Christians, and I pray we turn this around, 94% of people that say they love God will live their entire Christian life and die without ever having shared the love of God once with an unbeliever. And Satan laughs. So he wants to destroy your influence. How many of you have sinned since you got saved? Can I see your hands? Yeah. Oh, that's an old me, not an amen. Right. Jesus knew you were going to do that, but how many of you allowed the fact that you're still a sinner and some days are better for you than others? Let that paralyze you by saying stuff like this. I'm just not worthy to tell anybody about Jesus. Don't let the devil have your ear. I said a moment ago that he's the accuser of the brethren. That he wants to accuse you before God, saying, you see that person right there? Why, guess what they were, guess what they were doing yesterday. Guess how they were dishonoring you yesterday. And you know what we do when the enemy does that? We agree with him. So yeah, I was doing all that. Yeah, good. Confess it to God. Have it removed and covered by his blood and let the world know who the Lord is. I got to hurry. Satan brings doubts about God's goodness. He makes you feel like God is being good to everybody else and he missed you. Or you see somebody that's benefiting, they're as ungodly a person as you've ever known, and they seem to have it all going their way. And you tell God, I see that you were trying to bless somebody, God, but you missed. Because here I am in need of a blessing, and you blessed this low life. Now, God doesn't miss. God knows exactly what you need. But if he can make you doubt that God is good, it's the same thing he did to Eve in the garden, isn't it? God wants to keep something from you. God doesn't want you to be all you can be. I don't like him. And here's one that bothers me more than anything, one of the reasons the gospel has to get out. Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says this, In whom the God of this world, that's Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Because every time a sinner falls on their knees and repents and confesses their need of a holy God to change their life forever, it causes him pain. And to that I say, good. Also, Satan seeks to make you discontent. This entire world is, is, that, is, that we live in right now tries their best to make you discontent. If you watch a commercial, they'll try to tell you that your life is not complete if you don't have my product. They will try to tell you that, hey, I love some of the commercials because they're so fun. You can take this pill and look 30 years younger. Forget about diet and exercise. Just take the pill. Or they'll, they'll try to... Every cosmetic commercial is out there to make women feel like they're ugly, and you're not. 
You're not. By the world standard, you may not be what they call pretty, but it's what God calls pretty because He's the one that made you. Men, one of the things I've loved seeing is some of these things. It's like what I call the new male corset. <laughs> you put it on and you cinch it up and suddenly you look like Superman. You can't breathe and your face turns red, but you look like Superman. But if you ever try to take it off too fast, you could injure somebody <laughs> because you're not content. Can God give you everything that you need? Will He give you everything, however, that you want? I hope He doesn't because what shape we'd be in then. So He tries to make you discontent. And lastly, Satan desires to bring God pain when we disobey our Heavenly Father. The very thought of hurting God, does that bother you? The one that loves you with that perfect love? The one who gave you everything? Because Satan's all about disobedience. And he would love to make you just like he is. Jesus made a statement once before, said, You are of your father, the devil. And he was talking to the religious folks when he said it. I hope we never see that carved on your tombstone. Who is Lord? Jesus. Amen. So lastly, how the devil do we deal with him? Right, here's your last point. Come back tonight. Come back tonight. You know, the devil will outwit you, outmaneuver you, and trap you. He's doing everything he can. And like my, my dear old departed grandmama used to say, Son, you can say something good about everybody, even the devil. He's always on the job, and he's very good at what he does. <laughs> Would you like to deal with that horrible influence in your life? There are people in here today that may be in those percentages I talked about. We'll get our worship team to come on up right now. That you've heard about the devil, but you really don't think he's real. Or you've bought into a false gospel that says you can have your best life now, if, and if you don't have your best life now, you're not in God's will. More hogwash. He who comes to God must believe that God is. To make sure that we don't give any glory in church to the devil, do you believe that God is? Do you believe that God is? Yes, He is. Do you believe? that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Yes. He is. Y'all stand with us. That is everything He is. If you want to get past the whole influence of the devil in your life, there's your prescription that you need. The Lord is. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. 
answer me this question. Do you have all of the Lord in your life that you want because you really don't want to be any more spiritual than you are right now? If you say that, then you should be on your knees here. The Bible says that God's house should be a house of prayer. When's the last time you came to this altar and prayed? Not only for yourself and that God would bless you and give you things, but that God would change the people around you so they would know the living God that changed your life forever. And there may be some in here right now that after hearing a message about the devil, we're thinking, man, that's funny. I don't believe in the devil. He's got you exactly where he wants you, and you're on dangerous ground. I would not dare leave this house today without making sure that I knew the Lord better than I knew the devil. And there may be some in here today that have let Satan influence your life so much that even though you're a child of God, your actions, your words, and your activities away from this house don't reflect that. As our ministers come right now, whoever you may be, know that you have a friend in Jesus. You have an enemy in the devil. Let's pray. And after we pray, why don't you come? Father God, we're aware of the devil's wiles, but we're also more aware of your love. We're aware that he is our enemy, but we are even more aware that you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We are aware that left on our own, Satan will fool us every time. But as your word promises, greater is he that's in me unless I don't know you. And then by default, he's greater in my life. But I know this, Lord. You have all the power, all the authority. And right now, we'll give you all our trust and all our praise. Amen and amen.